The Business Buzz Podcast. The, the Business Buzz. Good day and welcome to the Business Buzz for your weekly dose of business, finance and economics news right here on a Voice of Vits. That's Val FM uh, broadcasting from our studios right here in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. My name is Leo Mob Justice Gavaza and I'll be your host on today's show. Now, who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seat as we seek to unpack and keep you entertained, educated and intrigued about the world of business. Now, for today's show we're going to be talking about e-commerce and um, adapting businesses to COVID-19 because uh, COVID-19 has meant that uh, a lot of people are at home it has meant that uh, people haven't been able to go to retail locations Uh, but as from last week as we moved into level four um, of the lockdown in South Africa um, there has been a shift where um, some of the retail locations have been able to open uh, but for a number of people out there um, e-commerce is the only way that they've been able um, to keep some of their operations going now to help us unpack uh, this particular topic uh, we're going to be talking to an entrepreneur we're also going to be talking to an analyst um, just around um, what's going on uh, specifically as a business case and also in the industry so uh, to help us navigate the topic uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Matebe Molise who is a chartered accountant and founder of beauty on tap um in the beginning and then we'll uh, we are then going to speak to arthur goldstock who is a media analyst commentator and researcher in the ict sector all about e-commerce and how businesses can adapt their offerings in light of the pandemic also coming up for the next hour, we're going to be having our business wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news with our financial expert, Lebo Pasha. And then we're going to tell you the state of your 100 rand in our Buffalo Index. Remember that you can find and follow Voice of Vits. That is Voice of Vits um, on uh, Facebook. Uh, we also have our other Facebook page that is Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VARFM and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. You can also stream the station live on um, and remember that podcasts of the Business Buzz show are available on iono.fm and uh, also Google Podcasts and now Apple Podcasts. So you can definitely go and find some of our content there. Look back at some of our older shows, you know, let us know um, of uh, some of that content, you know, just educate yourselves uh, because that's what we are here to do. So that's how the show is looking like for the next hour. Definitely make sure you don't turn that down. On the other side of this, we get into the business rap. Business rap with Lebo Pasha. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. It's time for us to get into the Business Wrap. That's a part of the show where we give you a roundup of the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line, we are joined uh, by Lebo Pasha, who is a business strategist and was uh, uh, recently appointed as the general manager for Southern Africa at the African Management Institute. These are the, these are the levels of experts that we are engaging with here on the business uh, on the Business Buzz. Uh, Lebo, how are you? I'm good, my dear. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, thanks for the 
um, the kudos, the serious kudos. <laughs> I think before before we even get into the week's uh, discussions, um, we haven't spoken to you, you know, since sort of pre-COVID. Um, how how have you just found, I guess, uh, generally the economy and you know just you know your own experience of uh, of life? So um, I think I've been a bit luckier than most people. Um, I felt a bit unfortunate initially. So the last time we spoke, I was in Cape Town at the beginning of March, and I caught the flu on uh, while I was in Cape Town, came back and decided I'm going to spend the next week working from home because as I landed, South Africa just announced its first COVID-19 case. So I'm almost, I'd say, two weeks ahead of everybody um, in my emotional cycle um, from being in a lockdown. So right now, I think I'm well ahead of a lot of people. I'm very positive. Um, I work for an edtech company that is also um, promotes working from home, working remotely. So right now, I'm in, I'm in quite a positive space. I've accepted the craziness and the uncertainty um, of COVID-19, the pandemic, um, coupled with what we've been talking about for a couple of months um, South Africa being downgraded to junk status and also probably on top of all of those things, the rest of the world going into um, a deep recession. So I'm um, still a bit nervous, but I'm on a positive cycle. I'm seeing so many more opportunities now um, during this pandemic and I'm seeing some businesses really taking advantage of some of these opportunities and I'm hearing a lot of some positive talk about opportunities even after the lockdowns. So, yeah, I'm in a good space. You, do, you certainly sound like you're in a good space, uh, but uh, I, unlike you, a lot of uh, people in South Africa have been facing a lot of uncertainty, uh, particularly uh, employees and a lot of uh, businesses whose operations at different income levels have been impacted by uh, COVID-19. Um, can you give us a little bit of color just around what's been going on? I think that um, the issue of... Uh, the support in terms of stimulus there was a lot of questions a few weeks ago around how it would work and all of that stuff but i understand that um the uif you know has you know has recently received its money can you just uh, give us that update so um government has really tried to to go and address some of the challenges we're facing a lot of the uncertainty and more importantly the economic strife being felt by citizens across the board. So um, from the poorest South Africans, to so the ones that have been doing quite well. And one of those big drives has been trying to get the unemployment insurance fund um, to assist South Africans um, that are now either unemployed or currently not receiving any money um, from the employers. And Billions of money has been sitting at UIF, and this has really helped to alleviate some of the strife being felt by South Africans. Um, up until last week, I think the UIF had paid out about 5.3 billion rands in benefits to companies, and um, we've seen some 1.1 million workers also benefiting from um, relief from the UIF. And we've seen some big-name companies as well. So this hasn't just been small companies. This would include um, Sasol, which is under a lot of strife right now. 
um, Surprise, Damelin, even some of the Bidvest Group companies, and even some of the, the smaller filling stations. So it's been support across the board, and I think the UIF um, has really done quite well so far in ramping up um, its support for, for South African employees and employers. Now, one industry, um, given all the support that you're talking about, that they are doing a lot, one industry that has been asking for support, especially support from the government or any party that's willing to throw money at them, has been the airline industry. And, you know, this week's big news was that Comair, which uh, which operates um, Kulula and British Airways locally, um, is about to go into business rescue. Is is it the end <laughs> for local air travel uh, companies? You know, come November, December, are we just going to have Emirates just coming in and operating everything? <laughs> we don't know. I think um, the one thing we really need to embrace is the uncertainty. Um, a few weeks back, I saw um, a really shocking and saddening um a news report out of Australia showing that Virgin Australia is basically on its knees and it's collapsed and um, and how that was going to affect Australia. And we've also seen this past week as well, Virgin Atlantic is saying it's going to cut down, uh, cut about 3,000 jobs. And yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be tough times for the airline industry globally, um, but also locally as well. We've seen Comair... Um, going into business rescue, SA Express is in trouble, SAA is in trouble as well. And um, with most of us, I'd, I'd planned travels in, in Southern Africa and I've, I've had to move my ticket to July, um, thinking the, the COVID pandemic would pass by then. It looks like I'll either have to cancel that ticket or move it to probably even later in the year. So we don't know what the airline industry will look, out, look like post-COVID. The one thing we do know is that even before the COVID 19 pandemic the airline industry was never hugely profitable it, it was always under pressure and it will definitely be decimated by by this pandemic and the lockdown the biggest issue are the restrictions on travel uh, both regional and international and with airlines like SAA SA Express and then the Kome uh, airline um airline businesses being British Airways and Kulula locally being being basically um, starved of revenue over the past couple of months and probably going forward up until I think we'll only get um, regional flights, uh, sorry, local flights at level one and um, we'll only then have international flights once the lockdowns pass. That means that these airlines could potentially not have any revenue uh, up until, um, according to Comair's forecast, about October or November even this year. So the airline industry will definitely change. I don't think we'll end up with no airlines left, but I think there'll be a lot of consolidation. Uh, we'll probably see the likes of Emirates, um, maybe even buying some some airlines, strategic airlines across the globe. Yeah. Now, some good news, I guess, on the horizon because um, some of the bans and restrictions that you are talking about are helping some industries. Um, you know, the nature of supply and demand is that if you can't get one form of supply, you can, you know, look to um, other sources. I understand that uh, non-alcoholic drinks 
are uh, have benefited uh, because of the bans on uh, alcohol and cigarettes of late exactly so south africans um have been complaining a lot on social media um that we seem to be the only country that's really strict on the sale of alcohol and there's been some lobbying as well um to try and get some bottle store sales so off-premise consumption going um this basically means that we will not have sit in in restaurants or in taverns but we will go into bottle stores and buy for consumption at home so there's been a lot of lobbying on that but while that has been happening sales of non-alcoholic uh, drinks has been um really strong and this would include non-alcoholic uh, gin which is quite popular right now and both non-alcoholic beers as well so um all products that have less than 0.5% alcohol are classified as alcohol free in in the liquor products act so um we do have a little bit of alcohol in there i don't think it's enough to make people happy the ones that enjoy their tipple but um yes you can go out there and, and grab yourself some non-alcoholic beer and gin as well So that's been it with uh, Lebo Pasha who is a business strategist and uh, recently the new general manager for Southern Africa at the African Management Institute uh, giving us a roundup of the week's uh, business news um, letting us know that uh, firstly UIF has been uh, doing a lot to support businesses around South Africa uh, both small and large businesses that are all coming under pressure together with the fact that the airline industry has uh, come under immense pressure locally with uh, ComA going into business rescue in addition to SAA and him highlighting that this is not a local phenomenon but a global one, especially when considering that uh, Virgin um, has been filing for similar action in Australia. And then just ending off with uh, somewhat uh, good news uh, for some players in the industry that uh, non-alcoholic beverages um, have uh, seen a bit of, uh, of an uptick or a bump up as people look for substitutes uh, for their alcoholic drinks. So that's been it in terms of the business wrap. On the other side of this, we get into the Buffalo Index. Business wrap with Lebo Pasha. The Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. It's time for us to tell you the state of your 100 rand in our Buffalo Index. And for today, because we have shifted into level four of the lockdown in South Africa, it means that retail locations are selling quote-unquote non-essential goods. And uh, the government has uh, specifically highlighted winter clothing. Uh, So for today, we decided to go around and look at uh, some of the the key items uh, that you may want for yourself if you are looking for winter clothing. So what can your 100 Rand do for you in the winter clothing market? Well, your one buffalo can get you a scarf uh, because that's coming in uh, roughly around 100 Rand. Uh, But uh, your one buffalo can get you two beanies. Um, So half a buffalo can get you one beanie. So that's two beanies for your one buffalo. Unfortunately, if you want a coat, um, that's going to set you back four buffaloes or 400 Rand. And uh, if you want, you know, something simple like a pullover or a cardigan, 
Um, that's uh, around in the same region in terms of prices. Um, so that's around uh, one and a half to two buffaloes uh, coming in roughly on average at 180 rand. Um, for the ladies uh, who, you know, this is the time of the year when boots become very popular. Um, if you want high leg boots, uh, that's, uh, you know, three and a half buffaloes or around uh, 330 rand. Or if you want ankle boots, that is uh, two buffaloes or uh, 200 rand. And then the other key essential is gloves because it does tend to get really cold um, depending on which part of South Africa you are. But generally, it really, really gets cold whether you're the Eastern Cape, the Western Cape, Hauteng or wherever you are. So your gloves, it's going to be about the same price as a beanie. So that means you can get um, two sets of those for the price of your one buffalo. So that's been it. Uh, you can tell us uh, what are you buying this year? Have you been stocking up winter clothing for the last uh, couple of years and you feel like this time uh, I'm not going to get into it? Let us know on uh, social media. Otherwise, that's been it uh, for today's uh, Buffalo Index. On the other side of this, we get into the main topic. Mob Justice on the Business Buzz. Welcome back to the business buzz for today. Um, as I said at the start, we are talking about uh, e-commerce uh, during the time of COVID-19 and adapting uh, businesses uh, to COVID-19. And uh, for today, we are going to be talking to some people that are going to be letting us know um, what business has been looking like over the last few weeks because of lockdowns um, this year because of COVID-19 and what future um, some of these businesses hold, especially where uh, technology is concerned as it's been a big enabler uh, for a lot of people to continue doing what they do. Now, remember that you can keep in touch with us, engage on Facebook. We are VARFM, that's Voice of Viz. You can also find uh, our other Facebook page that is Viz Radio Academy. And then on Twitter, we're at VARFM and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. So to give us uh, an overview uh, for what's going on, uh, I guess, from an e-commerce point of view, um, we are joined on the line by uh, Matebe Molise, who is a chartered accountant and founder of um, Beauty on Tap. Matebe, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for joining us um, on today's show. Now, to begin, um, we understand you are a chartered accountant. Uh, you've been uh, also named as uh, as an entrepreneur, as part of Forbes's uh, Future Wealth Creators. And uh, we just wanted to check, has there been a correlation between um, your profession and getting into pro- uh, into entrepreneurship um, or have you you know always been more passionate about one over the other um i think i've i've been quite lucky because i i have a left and right side brain um <laughs> acumen so um i'm a very um creative person i've always been very creative but um, I think just for job security and knowing that I'll get a job, I followed the whole chartered accountancy route. Um, and, you know, I was good at accounting in high school and my maths marks were also high. So I said, you know, let me just do chartered accountancy. When I when I chose the degree, I actually didn't know what chartered accountants do, but I just did it because I knew I'd be secured um, a job given that, you know, black female chartered accountants are in demand. And so I think my passion and creativity and just I've always had a passion for beauty and 
you know, um, I've always wanted to open a hair salon and I used to do my um, doll's hair when I was um, growing up. Um, I just thought, you know, this 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 creative side of me is, you know, itching and it needs to be scratched. And so I then um, jumped into beauty um, and entrepreneurship and I never necessarily thought I'd be an entrepreneur one day. Um, it just kind of happened and, you know, I, I just had this idea of starting an application and thought, let me action it and see how it goes. Um, and over time, it's kind of grown into what it is today. Can you give us just, uh, I guess, some color about what um, what it has grown to be and how Beauty on Tap actually works? Uh, what are some of the service offerings? You know, how many people have you been able to help to reach? And, um, you know, why you chose this particular business model? Um, yeah, so we started out as just an application, a mobile application where people could find and book hairstylists on an app. Um, and at the time, we um, had listed uh, quite a few natural hair um, products or brands um, because back then, finding natural hair products was so hard, like five years ago. And so our app acted as a directory to finding these products. Um, and a lot of people who used the app at the time just said, why don't you guys sell these products because we're on the app and we want different products from different brands and we have to call everyone separately or buy off their website separately. Um, and so a year after launching the application, we launched an, an e-commerce site that largely focused on natural skin, well, natural beauty care, um, clean cosmetics, clean beauty. Um, and, you know, when we started, we had very few brands on the website. Um, we had a lot of um, hair brands. Um, and since then, it's evolved to a beauty and lifestyle e-commerce website. And so we have, you know, a hair and skincare offering, but we also now sell books. Um, we sell life, um, sleepwear now, um, feminine hygiene. There's a whole lot of stuff that we sell now, and it's evolved into more a lifestyle and, and beauty website. So it's really evolved over the years. And, you know, we continue to talk to quite a few brands who want to join the website now. Um, so it's 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 grown into a fully fledged beauty and lifestyle e-commerce uh, website now. So I guess the core question then becomes because I think we've now reached a stage where we have to measure things pre and post COVID (laughs) because of uh, everything that's going on. So skin, feminine, natural hair, the products that you've just, uh, that you've just listed. What was your outlook, I guess, before COVID-19? And have you found that outlook to have changed um, because of everything that has happened, I guess, in the last couple of months? Yeah, so I think before COVID, we were kind of mapping our competitors wrong. We always thought that our competitors were the bigger retail stores and bigger e-commerce stores. And we were trying to find our edge on those competitors and looking at how do we differentiate ourselves when looking at those stores. Um, And, you know, now with COVID, we were like, actually, no, our competitors were always hair salons um, because people would just go to hair salons buy products from hair salons, get their hair done there. And what we've realized now is that people are doing their hair at home um, and didn't necessarily know how to do their hair. And so I think that going forward, we need to um, introduce a how-to aspect in our business on how to do your hair at home because I think the uptick that we've seen in sales is largely based on people just doing their hair at home. Um, and us being agile enough to talk to suppliers and say, please, can you send these different products? We're seeing people are asking for, um, you know, um, 
hair extensions, for instance. And so we've put hair extensions on our website. And I think our ability to be agile and to act quickly is what has kind of put us ahead of quite a few um, online stores. Um, so I think going forward, we have to introduce a how-to um, element in our store and also look at what other brands we can introduce that people have been asking for. And I, I can only imagine, you know, with the, with the trend that you've just highlighted, you know, because I'm now thinking to myself that, you know, does that mean that, uh, you know, Mateba is going to be launching a YouTube channel with, uh, where they're going to be teaching people how to do hair at home? Or do you then get the people who have had um, reduced foot traffic in their salons, you know, maybe getting them on board and saying, yeah. you know, can you do like maybe home visits or maybe they can do like a zoom tutorial of some sort what where are you thinking of uh, taking it so we actually just launched a collaboration website um, a month ago um, and our collaboration hub I think we launched on the 1st of April is um, a marketing platform where we connect brands with um, natural hair influencers who well not necessarily natural hair influencers just influence beauty influencers who can, where we then do press drops to them and who can then teach people how to use certain products from certain brands. So that's another differentiating um, aspect of our store is that we offer that to brands, um, you know, free of charge, well, free of charge to us, but they obviously have to engage with the influencer on how they want to uh, remunerate them. So we've launched this website and it's purely just because we want to teach people how to use products properly, we want influencers to give proper and honest, genuine reviews of our products. Um, so that's what we're offering to our um, to our audience and our customers now on our website. And the collaboration hub and the content that's loaded on the collaboration hub is linked to our e-commerce site. So if somebody wants to see how a product is used, they can just click to that platform to then learn how to use the product. Okay, that actually sounds uh, pretty cool. And then on the e-commerce side, because it definitely sounds like, um, I like what you said earlier on when you were talking about the fact that it's sort of been a learning experience and you've seen that people are demanding more products because they are at home. So e-commerce has been good for you guys. But on the whole, how are you feeling about the e-commerce space, especially in light of COVID? People are more online at the moment because they are at home. Yeah. But what are the actual challenges? Because I can imagine that in terms of actually getting the products, maybe getting them to your final customers, maybe sourcing them, where are you finding um, the challenges in the space? So, I mean, we saw a huge spike in sales in just a month and a half. So it's it's now positioning ourselves to deal with the high volumes that we've been getting. Um, it's looking for like you know supplies packaging we can't find packaging because people have been closed so it's kind of like pivoting and looking at how do we um, how do we adapt to what's happening right now and how do we then scale ourselves to make sure that we can cater to our customers demand because there's nothing like having an influx of customers and then saying sorry we don't have products um, Another issue that we've been facing is a lot of our suppliers are saying it's hard for them to find um, um, raw materials um, and they're struggling to also keep up with demand. So I think we're all kind of starting to adjust a bit. Um, and we've just been very lucky that we have very resilient brands on our store who've been able to deliver on time, um, who have the required quantities for us to meet demand. So I think, you know, us and 
the suppliers within our ecosystem and the brands that we work with. I think we work with very hardworking brands and that's why we've been able to adapt and and respond to, to what's happening. Um, and I think in the future, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. We don't know if this is a temporary increase in sales or if this is a learning curve for a lot of people to say that actually e-commerce in South Africa is trustworthy, they actually deliver. Um, so that's why we're just waiting to see if you know sales will taper off and if it's a temporary um, increase in sales. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's probably uh, something very interesting to watch. You know, I, I think a lot of businesses are actually concerned about whether or not whatever spikes they're seeing, they'll be able to retain um, some of yeah. those audiences and businesses, you know, stuff like that. But I guess going forward, what's your advice at the moment for people that maybe want to take advantage? Um, you've already highlighted that for you guys, it's it's been it's been a spike where you know, your life problems at the moment have shifted to being able to cope with the level of demand. So what's, yeah. uh, what, are your, what are your tips and tricks uh, for people that were perhaps lagging behind on the e-commerce side, uh, but it could be a tool that could help them to get to that next level? Um, I think what's important with e-commerce, if you're starting out, is to build a community. Um, I think the reason why we've been able to be agile and you know respond to people's requests is because we have such a great community like beauty on taps social media and you know our customers freely come to us and say please can you stock this product or please look into this and we listen and you know we provide what people are demanding so firstly just build a community and listen to your customers and then don't do like a one-size-fits-all. You really need to kind of put your business's personality into your e-commerce store. Um, I don't think you can just go from brick and mortar to e-commerce and think it's going to work. You really need to make it, um, you know, speak to your customers. If you had a hair salon and you want to sell products, you know, what kind of customers do you have? How do they want to shop on your website? What's the easiest way for them to shop? And you don't necessarily have to build a website. You can just do a, um, a WhatsApp business model. Um, so try and make it as easy as possible for your customers to understand. And then another thing with e-commerce is don't drop the ball. Make sure that the orders that you're sending out are correct. Um, don't send orders out late to people. If there's an issue, communicate with your clients. Um, I think that's one of the things that's come out with a lot of digital or e-commerce or app delivery businesses is where people have seen high volumes and they haven't been able to cope. It's come through and people have been very disappointed and have just walked away from those businesses. So I think what's most important is just don't drop the ball. Just keep going. If you can't take any more orders, rather go offline and say we'll be back soon. Um, and yeah, just cater to your customers and make sure you deliver on time. Okay, cool. And then last one is just uh, what does your team actually look like? And, uh, you know, I guess this is a, a twofold question because on the one hand, um, what type of team do you have in place to actually, you know, help you um, from an operational point of view? And how have you uh, been managing between, uh, you know, being a CA and being um, a business owner? Are you doing both or are you doing one at the moment? So I'm doing both. Um, so in the business before, it was just me and my brother, and we outsource our IT. So all IT like IT related issues are outsourced. Um, our careers outsourced and stuff like that. Um, but right now, because of the influx we've seen, um, we're getting more people on board to just help out with the admin side of it. Um, talking to brands, we're getting more people as well. Um, so we're kind of growing the team now to adapt to this. 
uh, to this increase and you know we can't hire on a permanent basis it's kind of temporary we want to see if this is sustainable and if it is then I suppose we can hire more people which would then be very great because that's the whole objective of, of what we're doing Okay, cool. So, very interesting take. Mateva, um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to either engage about business, the products, all of that? Um, they can just pop a mail on info at beautyontap, B-E-A-U-T-Y-O-N-T-A-P-P dot C-O dot Z-A. Um, and they can uh, check out our social media pages or DM us on at beautyontap on all platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So you heard it right there. You can engage with them, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can email them. Um, that was us with the Matebe Molise, who is a CA and founder of Beauty on Tap, just uh, giving us a sense of what's going on in the e-commerce space. Uh, she is actually highlighting the fact that over the last couple of weeks, because of the lockdowns, because of COVID-19, they have seen a spike in uh, their sales because salons are closed and there's been a learning curve for them because they really realized who their actual um, competition has been and going forward they're looking to scale their business but also just trying to see um, how many of uh, their customers that have come to them now will stay with them even when the salons open so very interesting take uh, on the other side of this we're going to continue with this discussion around e-commerce keep it locked this is the business buzz Forget what the little birdie told you. Follow us, follow us, follow us at BoFM and join the conversation. You're tuned in to the Business Buzz. Welcome back to the Business Buzz. Remember that you can keep in touch with us. Tell us your thoughts around um, the topic. We are talking about e-commerce. We're talking about adapting um, your business to what's going on in and around um, the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, we've just come from talking to Mateve just around how um, she's seen a spike in her own business uh, because uh, of that e-commerce uh, sp- uh, factor. Uh, but to sort of give us a more broad sense of what's going on in and around the rest of the sector. Now we are about to talk to um, Arthur Goldstuck. But before that, remember that you can tell us um, your thoughts on Facebook. We have our FM uh, or Voice of Vits and then our other Facebook page is a Vits Radio Academy and then on Twitter we're at VowFM and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. So as we get into it, um, we're joined on the line by Arthur Goldstuck who is the head of Worldwide Works um, he is a media analyst and commentator on the ICT sector. Arthur, how are you and uh, how has uh, locking down and social distancing been going for you? I've been quite comfortable with social distancing and lockdown because my work is mostly digital. But I have to say it's very hard not to be able to travel to events where I usually pick up the latest thinking and assess the latest trends that I pick up from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Because when you not only listen to people presenting what's coming next, but also engage with them, that's where you really get your deepest insights. And uh, that is missing at the moment, although most of that kind of thing is happening via webinar, but a webinar is only half the story. So to some extent, it only allows us to tell half the story but then we have to use our own research and our own insights to try to fill in the other half of that story. 
Now, Arthur, given what you are saying just around, uh, you know, that uh, that inability to travel, that inability to um, go and interact with people face-to-face, um, just in terms of making your assessments of what's been going on um, around the e-commerce space uh, over the last couple of months, what uh, data, what data sources or how have you been able to go about actually assessing what's going on? We speak to a lot of the retailers. We also try out all the different online retail systems. And then we also conduct market research. And most of our research is either telephonic or it's online or via tools like Facebook Messenger. So that means that our research continues without any issues. And in fact, sometimes it's even more efficient because people tend to have more time to talk to you. Okay. And then I guess on that front, what have you guys actually seen? I think the general sense at the moment, um, people think that uh, we're all using online services more and uh, we're all consuming more mobile data, for example, and that uh, we've just actually came from talking to a young entrepreneur who has seen a spike in her business because uh, people are sitting at home and they can't go to a physical retail location. Um, What has your research, I guess, revealed about um, what's going on in the industry? Has e-commerce really been able to help those businesses whose shops have been physically closed. We've seen a fascinating pattern in how e-commerce has shifted. As you know, e-commerce that involves non-essential goods has not been allowed. Generally speaking, the e-commerce that is happening revolves around groceries, medicines, and now also winter clothes and other provisions for winter. So it's a very limited range of products. The result of this is that e-commerce as a whole has fallen dramatically. In other words, it's far less being spent online than before. But the flip side of that coin is that grocery shopping has taken off massively. And people who never would have thought of shopping online before are now buying groceries online or through apps or through messaging tools. And it's becoming second nature to them. So what this means is that we've got almost a training program happening, an involuntary training program for learning how to shop online and also showing people that it actually works. And that's been the biggest drawback for e-commerce in South Africa for many years, that people either are not comfortable with it or they don't know how to do it or they don't trust that it will work. And all of that has been eliminated for those who are able to shop online. So that means that it's not the whole population either. It's people who have the means, typically people who have credit cards, uh, but debit cards can also be used for online shopping. It also is people who have the tools and also the experience to know how to use those tools. Someone who has never transacted online still finds it very difficult to even sign up for an online shopping service. And then I guess on that front, can you give our listeners just a sense of um, how big the space is, I guess, because it is a growing space, but I guess relative to the rest of, um, you know, retail, where 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 is e-commerce actually placed? Like how big is their chunk of their pie? Our figures for last year showed that around one 
0.4% of total retail was actually happening online. And that's tiny. Total retail in this country is more than a trillion rand. Online retail is around 14 billion rand. That comes to around 1.4%, which means that it's a fraction, a tiny fraction of total retail, but also it's far behind the uh, international trends in countries like uh, the UK and the United States or anywhere in Europe for that matter. And, and does that, the, do you then think that what COVID-19 has done, has it, I guess, accelerated that adoption? But more importantly, would the adoption sort of be something that's permanent or will people sort of gravitate towards e-commerce and then the moment that they're able to go back um, to um, some of the more non-essential shops be able to just, you know, leave e-commerce on the side? Or do you think this will mark a fundamental shift in behavior this will mark a fundamental shift for those people who are shopping online during the crisis and who didn't shop online before as it becomes habit they'll find it more and more difficult to go back to the old ways of doing things but there's no doubt that once lockdown is over and people can go back to shopping as normal you'll see a massive influx back into the malls into the shops however Those people who are finding the benefits of online shopping, like convenience, as well as saving on cost and time, are going to more and more shop online. They will be going back to the malls and the the physical stores, but aside from that, they will also be shopping online. So online shopping becomes part of the mix, and that's the fundamental shift that you're going to see in the coming few years, is that online retail is now a firm part of the shopping mix and not something that people do as almost an extreme measure. I guess on your side, from uh, the engagements that you that you have been having with, uh, you know, retailers and just monitoring the situation, what are South Africans actually um, spending their their money on? Um, that I guess has surprised you. I think in the beginning you started off by highlighting the fact that people have been buying groceries and stuff like that, and now that we are moving into level four, um, you know, now you're seeing the winter clothing and the like. But what has actually surprised? you about some of the trends? There are no real surprises in the trends that we're seeing because there are only a limited number of categories in which people can shop. So wherever those categories become available, we do expect to see uptake of online shopping for those uh, products and services. The one thing that has surprised us, though, is to see the extent to which the big retailers have not been able to keep up with demand because they've not been able to scale up their services. They've got limited capacity for delivery of groceries, typically because they're using refrigeration trucks for those deliveries, and they can't suddenly increase the size of that fleet. So what most of them have done is partner with other players like a bottle, for example, or one cart or Zulzi, and uh, also the uh, ride-sharing services like Bolt and uh, Uber Eats in order to meet the demand. So those smaller players or the peripheral players are suddenly becoming e-commerce players as well and certainly helping the big players to uh, meet the demand from their customers. That's been the biggest surprise of all. 
in terms of actual goods being bought, the shift in terms of the product mix has been not just groceries, but also uh, medicines and pharmaceutical uh, products. That previously was very small, and many pharmacies would deliver with their own uh, messenger service. But now that is expanding, and we're seeing other players also coming in to try and fill that gap. It's not so easy because in most cases, if you have a prescription medicine, you've got to collect it yourself or you've got to interact with the pharmacy directly and collect it from them. So it's not simply a case of it all suddenly moves online. There has to be a mix. But the other big change that we see is the idea of click and collect. In other words, you buy online and you collect in-store. And the flip side of that is a click for delivery, for example, with fast food that everyone is now ordering uh, from existing restaurants that can't have people sitting down but are preparing food for delivery to homes. At this stage, we can't yet collect it from those places, but that's going to shift as the stages of lockdown become more lenient and we'll see a massive move towards click and collect in the restaurant uh, business and the fast food business as well. And I imagine that we'll see that becoming a dominant form of e-commerce in this country over time as people firstly discover how convenient it is, but secondly, how they realize that this allows for regular shopping, but with social distancing built into into the process. I guess that then begs the question because you you highlighted just now that um, you're seeing a bit of a mix between, you know, the physical um, versus uh, the online. Have we reached that stage where a retailer or someone who is selling goods or services uh, cannot not have some type of an online presence? I think we will see a bit of a backlash against the online shopping not I wouldn't call it an experience but rather imperative in other words the requirement to buy certain things online there will be people who don't like it and want to go back to the old way and want to deal with their favorite service provider and there will be those providers who prefer dealing with people on a one-on-one basis, especially where it's a personalized product or service. So we will still find that there'll be room for those who don't have an online presence to, and don't want to have an online presence to continue serving their customers on a personal face-to-face basis. So one can't say that you'll be out of business if you're not online, but the overall reality is that if you don't have an online presence, if you don't have an e-commerce functionality, you'll be at a massive disadvantage to those who do. Mm. And and I certainly agree. The fact uh, what you're saying about uh, being at a disadvantage if you don't um, have something. But as a research specialist in in this field, and you're you're very well versed in what's going on, the trends and the different platforms, uh, which of which you named a couple earlier on. Um, what are some of the different technologies or different platforms that uh, businesses, uh, especially in the SME space, that you think um, can actually help them to? 
shift some of their business um, onto e-commerce platforms? And what advice do you have uh, for people that may have not really taken it seriously but now want to actually grow it? Well, the first thing is to understand that there's a massive resource out there and that's called the World Wide Web. Or if you want to be more specific, Google or one of the other search engines. And uh, by doing some diligent searching, you can find case studies or examples of businesses exactly like yours. And the ideal approach to see is what a business like yours has done and what it has taken for them to succeed in this space. That's really at the heart of understanding how to leverage the uh, technology out there, but also the experience out there. It's all very well to use the technology that someone else has used, but you also have to understand the strategy behind using that technology. So simply employing a technology tool is not enough. It's understanding how to do it, how to roll it out, how to communicate with customers around that. That will be the key. So it's more your strategy than your technology that will dictate whether you succeed. But just to give some technology context, though, there's a few tools that small businesses must look at in order to embrace uh, online retail. Unless they've got deep pockets and can invest in the technology themselves, they should look at, for example, um, getting a payment gateway that they can link to. So that means that they put a link on their website to a payment gateway that will process payments on their site. And in some cases, it allows them not even to need a merchant account with a bank where you allow to take credit card payments. That goes through some of the payment gateways who they call them super merchants. And a super merchant can aggregate um, numerous small businesses that are not uh, merchants with a bank themselves. In other words, they don't have credit card facilities. There's other tools as well, like Yoko, for example, which is a tool for any small business to take credit card payments physically. And Yoko has moved online as well. And there's many equivalents to that. So that's the, the one element, purely in terms of processing as a payment. And then in terms of taking orders, businesses should look at how to integrate the instant messaging tools into their services. So for example, WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger is being used quite effectively by a lot of the small retailers to communicate with their customers. And very often it's a one-on-one communication between the business and its customers because they know that by looking after each of those customers on a personal level, they increase the loyalty of that customers of that customer, and they're more likely to bring the customer back for the next uh, purchase. The uh, further element of WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger that uh, can be attempted, but this is more technical, is to in, um, build in what they call a bot, a software bot or a chat bot. And there are websites where you can actually customize a chat bot for your site. But ideally, you need some of the technical expertise to do that for you. And that's not to replace the human contact, but to be the starting point for that contact where uh, people get presented with a basic menu of options, for example, when they uh, connect with you via WhatsApp or 
Facebook Messenger. And based on those options, they can then drill down into exactly what they want and either place the order through that menu or once they've gone through those options and they know you can help them or you know you can help them, then the communication can become personal. If you've got a large customer base, then um, it's enormously valuable to use a chatbot to facilitate the whole process. So you hearing it right there, there's a lot of different options that are available if you are a uh, small business owner in particular. Um, Arthur's just uh, highlighting some of the, the tools that are available. Uh, he's just saying that uh, depending uh, a lot of the time, the bigger retailers can customize their own platforms. But if you don't have deep pockets, there are a lot of platforms that are being used by um, consumers right now, such as um, WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger when it comes to, you know, contacts. He's also just advising that um, having a payment gateway of some sort um, just to enable that e-commerce um, is uh, is a definitely a good way to go, such as Yoko, for example. Um, he's just also telling us about uh, what's been going on in terms of trends um, just uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, there's been, uh, you know, a big, a big shift to online retail, uh, but in the greater scheme of things it still makes up a small percentage of the pie but this but this uh, period has done a lot to prove to people that were a bit reluctant about um, the whole thing that perhaps um, this is something that can actually work. Arthur how can people perhaps get in touch with you if they want to engage you or perhaps um, maybe access some of your insights? The best is to follow my online magazine gadget at gadget.co.za because a lot of my columns get reproduced there. You can also go to my speaker website, artogoldstuck.com, just about like my name, Arthur Goldstuck, no spaces, .com, and there I publish a lot of the columns that I write for the Sunday Times on uh, trends shaping these markets. And they can also follow me on Twitter on art2g, at art and then the number two and then G-E-E is my uh, Twitter handle. And I also share a lot of my thoughts, insights, and articles via Twitter. And then on LinkedIn as well, they can also connect with me on LinkedIn, just under my name. So look for Arthur Goldstuck if you are um, perhaps a business owner, an individual that wants to know a little bit more about what's going on in the e-commerce space because uh, that's actually one of Arthur's pieces of advice that you just inform yourself about what's going on in the space and which tools um, would be best for you and your business. So that's been it in terms of this. On the other side of this, we come to the end of the show. You don't have to be a liker to like things. So like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. And follow them in brackets, voice of this. <laughs> the, the business buzz. So that's been it on today's Business Buzz show. Thank you so much to everyone who was listening. Uh, thank you to our special guests, that's uh, Matebe and Arthur, for just sharing some of the insights, both uh, from an industry point of view and from a specific business case point of view, letting us know what's going on in the e-commerce space and the importance of e-commerce at this time. Um, they're both uh, in favor, you know, just telling us about what's going on in that space. Uh, Matebe telling us about how she's 
been able to uh, gain a lot of interest in her business because of e-commerce and uh, the different lockdowns. Uh, but Arthur just cautioning the fact that as much as things are growing at this time, there may be a bit of a pushback when people are able to go back to stores. Um, on the whole, I personally think that everyone needs to have some type of an e-commerce uh, presence at this point. Of course, there are certain businesses that are just uh, you know best placed if you are in the neighborhood, for example, or uh, as a phys- as a physical location. But just having some type of an online presence, I think um, that's been a trend that I've become aware of, where a lot of people do have um, an online presence in terms of social media for marketing and advertising, but they've found themselves shifting um, that online presence towards integrating, let's say, an a payment gateway like what Arthur has been talking about and also just setting up some type of an e-commerce um, platform where a person can choose what item they want and then they can then um, go and uh, sell it online. You know, you use couriers and then that's that. So I think it's a good enabler and uh, we'll be waiting to see um, whether this does a lot in terms of uh, the stickiness because uh, one of the big problems like Arthur highlighted has been um, that issue of adoption. Some people being a bit uh, suspicious of the whole thing, but now people will be forced. So I also believe that there'll be a fundamental shift um, towards some of this e-commerce. Otherwise, let us know your thoughts. Uh, Let us know what you think. Have you been using e-commerce? Have you been shopping or have you been selling your goods online um, over this last period? And do you anticipate this is something that you're going to continue to do on facebook we are vfm that's voice of vits you can also find our other facebook page that is the vits radio academy on twitter we're at vfm and then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz you can also search for us on iono.fm together with apple Podcasts and google Podcasts, where you can find our links and podcasts for easy listening make sure you keep yourselves um, informed you can press the subscribe button so that you never miss out on an episode so with that we've reached uh, the end of uh, today's show thank you so much to our amazing team our technical producer is Kotlano Serame uh, together with our executive producer Gloria Mabuza and our producer Slindile Musibi don't miss the business but same time same place next week for more insight into the world of business more justice on the business buzz the business buzz podcast